Hello, and welcome to Project Management and the Operating Environment. In this session, we're going to be looking at defining the term project, understanding differences between project and business as usual, thinking about why project management is important and its purpose, together with that of program management and portfolio management. And then finally, we'll be considering how the PESEL analysis may be used by a project manager to understand the project context. So you may like to take a moment now just to consider what is the difference between projects and business as usual? Think perhaps about your own project or the role that you're doing and how does that differ between normal day-to-day -day operations? If you're having difficulty, maybe thinking about a project that was to build a new house or to build a football stadium or perhaps an office relocation move. How would those things be different when you think about business operations? So how do we define a project? The APM describes a project as a unique transient endeavour undertaken to bring about change and achieve planned objectives. So how does that differ from business as usual? Let's take a couple of examples. Let's think about building Wembley Stadium. The project involved making sure that you had the right construction materials, the right expertise, bringing in specialist equipment such as cranes so you could deliver a working stadium. Business as usual, however, is all about playing matches, about filling stadiums with uh, fans that come along to enjoy a night's entertainment. Similarly, if we think about an oil rig, the project would be about constructing the oil rig, making sure that it was built to the right safety standards with the right specialist engineers coming in and the right equipment to be able to lay down the pipes and have the rig ready for working order. But the operation of that rig would be about the day-to-day -day pumping of oil and managing the staff on it to do so safely and effectively. So we start to see the difference between projects and business as usual. Projects don't exist in a vacuum. Indeed, the immediate operational context is that of BAU. So let's think about the specific differences between them. Projects aim to deliver unique outputs, products and deliverables. For example, they may, it may be that you have a project that's aimed to deliver a new machine to increase productivity. The project ends with the delivery of that pro product and it won't be until it passes over to business as usual that the benefits are actually achieved when people begin to start working with that new machine. A project is temporary and therefore it has a distinct start and finish, whereas obviously BAU is established and ongoing with day-to-day -day routines. The project is typically higher risk and typically may not have been done before which means that it's based on estimates. And in that sense, there isn't certainty around exactly how long something's going to take. But in the business as usual scenario, there's lower risk. There are established processes and procedures by which people work that have already mitigated operational risk. There will also be things like business continuity plans that can guard against unusual circumstances happening, like perhaps a power cut. And these have all been planned in advance. The project team is also temporary and the individuals brought together may not have worked together before. So they need to be established as a team. 
Whereas again, in business as usual, the teams are established. They understand each other's roles and have clear reporting mechanisms that enables communication to already be established in formats that everybody understands. Let's now think about project management. And a useful analogy here is that of a journey. When we set out on a journey, there's a specific destination. In mind, there'll be a cost and a time associated with that journey. And there'll also be things that may go better or worse along the way that we may need to manage. For example, we might experience more traffic than we initially expected, and we might need to decide to take different action to the one we expected by deciding on an alternate route or taking a stop until the traffic dies down. And we need to monitor and manage that so that we still end up getting to our end destination. And when we arrive at the end destination, a change has occurred. We're now at this new place, hopefully the place we expected. So we can see how a journey in many ways is representative of project management. With project management, the aim is to make sure we have a clear understanding of where we're going at the outset. We understand stakeholder expectations and we know what we need to do to meet those. We'll make sure that we plan different points along the journey to review our progress and make sure that it's in line with our expectations and the forecasts or budgets we set in place. And why would we do this? Well, the purpose of doing <coughs> project management is to ensure that we are more successful in delivering our projects, that we don't just randomly set out on a journey that we can't complete, that we can control our costs, that there's better risk management, that there's better expectation management and that our stakeholders have confidence that as we move along the journey, we are going to meet the end destination. And in order to achieve that successfully, most projects will implement key processes. Typically, there'll be a starting process. This is where we justify our project. We make sure we understand any key risks or costs and we secure initial funding. Then there'll be a planning process. This is where we get into the details. We think about the what, where, who, how, and how much. And we make sure we have detailed plans. We'll also make sure we understand any project strategies that we need to adopt that may relate to things like procurement or quality and the governance required. Then there'll typically be a monitoring and controlling process, sometimes called delivery or deployment. And in this stage, it's all about monitoring progress and making sure that the plans that we set out are being delivered accordingly. And that if, for any reason, we're either behind progress or it's costing more, we can take appropriate action. And then lastly, there's a closing and learning phase, sometimes called transition. And in this phase, we're focused on closing down the project paying suppliers that may need uh, final invoices paid, making sure any documents along the way uh, that we've uh, constructed are archived appropriately, and that we've reflected on our performance and considered lessons learned. Indeed, many organisations bring these processes together in a project management methodology that enables them to ensure consistency in the delivery of their projects and means that there are lessons that can be learned easily and taken to other projects in the future. So let's now think about the differences between a programme versus a project. A programme is also described as unique and transient. 
but this time it's more strategic in nature and it's concerned with the coordination of complementary projects to bring about beneficial change. It may also involve elements of business as usual. So let's look at the specific differences. We've already established that projects are unique, that they have a defined start and finish. They tend to focus on one output or deliverable and the benefits for a project accrue after the project has finished when there's been a period of operation of its outputs that leads eventually to benefits delivery. How does that differ to the programme? The programme typically has a vision of its end state and that's underpinned with a blueprint that enables us to understand each element of the end state organisation and is then broken down into individual projects to deliver that. There sometimes won't be a well-defined path at the start. And indeed, sometimes the, the vision will emerge from a group of projects that are complementary being brought together under one umbrella. For example, you may have a group of business improvement projects that you decide to bring together and coordinate to bring about the benefit. They're generally longer in duration and also programmes can actually have benefits delivery within the programme as well as after the programme. So why do we do programme management? Programme management allows us to have a bigger picture view of the overall project activities. It enables us to manage things like stakeholders across different projects, making sure we establish and maintain effective relationships and have effective two-way communication. It also enables us to manage things like risk and change at a higher level, making sure we don't exceed the cumulative risk of a group of projects at the organisational level. It also enables us to manage change control and consider the dependencies on different projects if we make a change in one project and understand the impact it may have on others. So as we can see, we do programme management to ensure that we can manage resources effectively, look at managing risk effectively at the higher level and things like change control and being able to manage diverse stakeholders. We're now going to consider portfolios. Portfolios are fundamentally different to projects and programmes. They don't focus on the delivery of specific outputs, outcomes or benefits. Rather, portfolios can be seen as mechanisms for delivering strategic objectives. They're coordinating mechanisms that support programmes and projects and ensure that they can be delivered within the constraints of the organisation and to ensure maximum return of investment. So portfolio management is about identifying and then selecting those strategic initiatives that the organisation wants to carry forward and that will best align to its business strategy. It then ensures along the journey that it constantly reviews and monitors the programmes and projects to ensure they remain aligned, redefining them if necessary, terminating some if necessary and introducing new projects if necessary. And why does it do this? The value of portfolio management means that you won't end up with projects continuing that consume valuable resources that are no longer aligned to strategic objectives. It makes sure that everything will return value and is aligned. 
So let's just recap and consider some key words and activities that characterise the three different elements we've been talking about of project, programmes and portfolios. The project, as we discussed, is a temporary bespoke organisation structure. It focuses on identifying a particular project requirement, delivering a focused output, managing the stakeholders along the way and balancing that within defined constraints. The programme operates at a more strategic level and is about coordination of related projects, making sure that we can manage things like resource, risk or change at the bigger picture level and making sure that we can manage dependencies between projects. And then the portfolio is a coordinating structure. It's about a collection of projects, programmes and business as usual that are managed together to bring about strategic aims. Its activities, therefore, are much more about selecting and identifying the right work, prioritising that work, ensuring that we optimise how we spend our budgets and then making sure we maximise any return on investment. Let's now take a moment to consider the influence and impact that certain factors can have on our project. Our project will already have existing success criteria such as time, cost and quality objectives that it wants to meet to deliver its required scope. It will then have to make sure it's aware of any changes in its immediate context, that of the organisation. And then outside of the organisation is the external context that can also impact the project. And we need to understand this because failure to do so could mean that there are delays in our project or increased costs because we haven't anticipated things changing around us. Those changes can come from a variety of sources. It may be that there are new emerging markets that we need to understand, or there are new entrants in the competitive landscape that could render our products um, redundant. There may be new innovations in technology, for example, that may actually be applied to our projects or indeed could render any product we're planning redundant. There are also things like changes in consumer behaviour. For example, we've seen how the impact of people no longer wishing to shop so much on the high street and preferring to be able to have greater choice and, and buying online has impacted the way in which people operate. And they may be considerations we may need to consider for our project. There could also be changes in sociological behaviours. For example, today there's a much, a much bigger expectation from customers and residents on having green issues dealt with. They're interested in sustainability and the sustainability of products. So that again may be something that impacts our project. And then there are things like economic or legislative or political change that we need to be aware of. One tool that can help us understand the context in which a project operates is the PESL tool. And PESL is an acronym that stands for Political, Economic, Sociological, Technological, Legal, Environmental Change. Political factors may include things like changes in central or local government, or the fact that a change in government may impact release of funding, for example. Economic factors are all the things that relate to money and may affect things like the economic backdrop in which we operate. For example, changes to interest rates or exchange rates or inflation 
And these are things we may need to consider, particularly in terms of things like pricing of suppliers, products and services. The, the sociological effects will be things about human behaviour and will also include things like stakeholder attitudes and cultural aspects that we need to be aware of. We'll also need to comply with legislative changes. They could be things such as global data protection regulations, which enforce requirements on us about how we handle data and who can have data. It may also be things like health and safety or employment legislation, all of which we may need to factor into our project, as these things can add time or indeed cost. So the PESL tool in this way is used to identify threats that we may need to put mitigation in place for or opportunities that we may wish to try and exploit. And by understanding these different factors, we can put plans in place so that we can ensure our chances of success. It will also feed into risk management processes and these should be managed ongoing throughout the project. The PESL tool, although it may be used early on in the project, should continuously be reviewed so that it can be updated and managed if new risks appear or new opportunities. So finally, you may now like to take a moment to think about the PESL tool and apply it to your own environment. Think about what different factors may be impacting your project that you may need to plan for. Have you got any risks that you need to think about new strategies and responses for? or indeed other opportunities that you might be able to use that enhance your chances of success.